0: Happy holidays, everybody. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dean Blundell.
1: And I'm Charles
0: Adler. Charles Adler. (laughs) And welcome to the dual cast. Where we take two podcasts and put them together, which really sounds like a lot of work. I love watching you laugh, Chuck. I love I love impersonating
1: people who try to impersonate me. I'm yeah. too, uh, I'm pipes. I'm a robot. I'm you a wannabe. I'm an that. impersonator.
0: I'm a guy who's looking for personality. Can't do it. anyway. Can't you can't impersonate Chuck Adler and and for anybody, Charles comes from. He's like the gold standard of radio in this country that we live in called Canada. Well, wow. um, many, many have many have tried to
1: uh, duplicate it, but it's culture. never been replicated or many no. have tried to replicate it, but it's never been duplicated. Anyway, on, on, in my in my thousand year long radio career, I always enjoyed mocking the heck out of people who envied me, because as my grandmother used to remind me, envy is cancer. You got it. You got to defeat it. So yeah. my way of trying to defeat
0: things is to mock the bejesus out of them. With your radio voice, that's a, see, you and I come from a time when you had to have pipes. Remember that? It's like pipe. And Chuck had folks, if you you don't know this beautiful gentleman in front of me on the screen, uh, at the if you can watch this Cryer Media's YouTube channel, Dean Blundell Show YouTube channel, subscribe to his podcast, the Charles Adler podcast. You can see it, you can hear it, you can hear the pipes, you can hear the velvety Mel Torme goodness in your voice. It's just beautiful.
1: Do people know? Do most people listening right now know who Mel Torme was? The Velvet mm-hmm. Fog. Uh, well, not ne- many. Next time, okay. Next time we get together, we do. These, we like to do these joint appearances, joint podcasts at least once mm-hmm. a week. And next time we do one, yeah, let's uh, let's cue up a little bit of uh, the Torme. Torme. And if, if you want to do my, my favorite one, if I can make a request here, sure, okay? sure, you can do I request Mel Torme's Autumn in Vermont.
0: Ottoman Vermont.
1: Ottoman Vermont is, in Ooh. my opinion. Yeah. I mean, outside of some of the Broadway stuff he did, uh, you know, the the musical stuff that was a lot lighter, he did, sure. did a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, but some people find that kind of stuff like way too hokey. Uh, but Ottoman Vermont doesn't have the uh, the hokum factor. And people hear what the guy they call the Velvet Fog sounds yeah. like, actually... Something happened to his voice. I don't know whether it was an accident or an operation or something, but something happened to his throat. And so some people thought it might be the end of his ability to have, you know, great vocal capacity, but he turned it into a turned it into a positive. His his voice actually became foggy, and then it became known as the as the, the Velvet, Velvet Fog. Fog. And he yeah. had a real name, like all these showbiz guys. I don't know Engelbert, what his real was name he
0: was. He Engelbert Humperdinck before no. Engelbert Humperdinck. Was An, Engelbert Do you know? Uh,
1: you know what Engelbert Humperdinck's like real name was? Yeah, it's like Doug Allen or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. a this Jerry, crazy pedestrian name. Jerry Dorsey. Jerry Dorsey. And when I met, Engelbert Humperdinck, because I uh, the kind of radio idea. You met him? You met <laughs> oh, Engelbert oh, I, oh, I, met, I met everybody. <laughs> I met, I met <laughs> everyone but Jesus. Okay. I, yeah, and yeah. Charles Manson. Jesus and Charles Manson have met. I've met everybody uh, else, okay? That is so, a
0: dinner party right there. Jesus and Charles Manson. Yeah, right yeah, family. that'd
1: be um something. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just I'll just leave it at that cuz some people don't like it when we have fun with religion as you know. And I don't yeah, care. I, I, I've never been religious, but you've been really like really really religious. I mean, you were Which basically is why I'm the
0: opposite today. No, I know. I'm I know. Smarter I, wasn't, I, I wasn't
1: I was I was not kidnapped by a cult. Okay. <laughs> I I wasn't a hostage to, so to to me it's 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 whatever it's just a different philosophy but um Engelbert Humperdinck when I when I met him I said uh, I said off the air do you do mind you if you I you
0: address Engelbert Humperdinck as Mr Humperdinck o-
1: on the air maybe but not really the kind of show we did even then was very very casual so I sure. was able to, I was able believe it or not I was able to call Frank Sinatra off the air off the air, I was able to call Frank Sinatra Francis. You met him? You met Frank Sinatra? Oh, too? yeah, yeah, yeah. All those guys. It was, do, it, do you, it, do you, like, how intense. No I was it? just, uh, Dean, I was well, just tell me right. about it. No, you well, I was just on a right.
0: podcast with like a no big deal. I met Frank well, Sinatra. No okay, big deal. So if, i met Engelbert uh,
1: Humperding. Okay, like, so in the days when radio was large. Yes. Okay. As one large of three as, main
0: mediums, you can only get information through one of three ways back right. in the day it was print, television, or radio. Right. Go ahead.
1: But the radio station I worked at had far more listeners than most TV stations had viewers. Mm-hmm. And I know I get that today that's like hard to contemplate. But that was then. This is now is different. Mm-hmm. So the, the station I worked at was a legendary radio station. And one of the reasons that they wanted me there was I sounded very, very much like their superstar who did an evening show and he interviewed the Engelbert Humperdings and the Frank Sinatra's and the, the Peggy Lee's and the Dinah Washington's and all these like in, incredible, uh, talents. Uh, do you, know, you want to know just for, for legendary,
0: just, you just, dude, you just rattled off
1: some of the most legendary
0: yeah, games and yeah. singing and acting.
1: Like so, one, one yeah, one of the reasons they hired me was because even though I was, uh, 19 at the time, uh, I sounded exactly like, their evening superstar, whose name was Paul Reed. And Paul, I guess, was, I don't know, 42, 43. I was 19, but it didn't matter because uh, even when I was a kid, I had, uh, let's just call it an, an adult uh, radio voice. So I, I take no credit for that. That came from, you know, my mom, my dad, uh, my ancestors, my DNA. It's a DNA thing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that By the way, was still the best pipes in the industry. <laughs> Thank so you. Know. you. Yeah. So they, they, I sounded like like Paul Reed, and that was very, very useful. Because there were some evenings where Paul couldn't make it, you know. And so you put me on, and the only rule was I would never say I'm Paul Reed. I would never use those words. But I would do exactly the same kind of show he did. And it was a a very, very romantic show, uh, lots of ballads. And uh, in terms of targeting, we were targeting uh, women, uh, women over the age of 35, uh, to be quite specific about it. That was the audience. So they're, they're, I was targeting, I was, I was looking for women in the audience who were essentially twice my age. And had they ever seen me? Because when I was 19, I looked like I was 14, okay? And I just looked so, so utterly young. Uh, so it was just kept a secret that when I was hosting his show and uh, not using uh, his name, that it was uh, somebody else. And for some reason, um, nobody ever nailed us. It was very it was very wonderful for me because uh, not only... Uh, did I got get a lot of great radio exposure? Obviously, as as I just alluded to, I met uh, some of the super, super, superstars at Legends of Our Day. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, got to do, um, my, my side hustle was voice work. So I did voice work for, you know, the Air Canada's and the Eaton's and mm-hmm. all these different uh, major national firms of the day, because those were the firms that uh, Paul uh, was narrating for, because he was the voice of. And if he couldn't make it to some of these sessions, uh, he'd send me in, and um, that was fine with the producers. They, they just cared about about the sound. And most commercials, you never had to say I'm I'm Paul, I'm Chuck, I'm Dean, I'm whatever. So yeah, you just uh, do a business. read. You read what yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you have of a client. Exactly, right? yeah, 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 yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, so that's yeah. that was your your break was filling in for a dude who sometimes didn't make it into work, but you had to act like the dude. You couldn't say you weren't that dude. Paul Reed was his name. Which like, also took over some of his like. His commercial read, so that was voice work. You were like Paul Reed number two, like the the low key Paul Reed. I was a, I was a voice double. You were a voice double. I was a voice, was a voice double. <laughs> so t- let, let me ask you something. Yeah. What's Sinatra like? So what and what year did
1: you meet? <laughs> oh, uh, I met uh, Sinatra, and it would have been, I guess, seventy five, maybe seventy six. Okay, so he's still the
0: chairman, right? He's still oh, yeah. the dude. Yeah. And what was he like to you? Tell me about that experience. Well, he he, just, he just, I've he just, never talked to a guy yeah. who's like, yeah, yeah, I met Sinatra back in the day. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. but
1: he treated the, he treated that radio station uh, like it was Hollywood. Okay. It was Hollywood of the North. So there was lots of respect on, on, on both sides. So you could be very casual. Now, the tall was, he? was he as
0: tall as you? Like when he walked in, were you We're about, like we're about those-
1: the same size?
0: Because you don't get starstruck, you're you're like me a little bit, where you're like, ah, that's just a person they they poop like I do. But I don't, like- yeah, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't get star. Like I, I've, I've actually never met anybody. I've met all these people. I love these people because I love talent, so they blow my doors off. But I've never met anybody where I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid. Other to than talk me. To this
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, take me through but, uh, the experience. Relive Sinatra coming into the studio for that interview. Well, he
1: comes. He, he's never alone, right? He's a, yeah. they, he's got an entourage. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's coming in with you know four guys that look like they're right out of the Sopranos. You know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> they're, very, 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 they're very tough. They're very nice to me and all that. But you know, there's no doubt. Like the, Sinatra never intimidated me. His people did, because mm. his people looked, you know, like heavies. You know, you didn't you didn't want to mess with them. And, uh, but as far as talking to him, it's extremely casual. You just, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, certain tunes. You talk about, I mean, I'd, I'd ask him about Nelson Riddle. And I'd say, well, when I say Nelson Riddle, what do you say? And he'd say, I, I love him. I said, tell me why, tell me why you love him. And uh, he would tell me and, I, you know, I'd say things like, tell me your favorite Nelson Riddle story. Uh, you know, I'd say to him, uh, Frank, uh, uh, this isn't going to shock you. But I fantasized about Angie Dickinson. What's she like? Now Frank had you know a thing with Angie Dickinson. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So
1: I mean, you know, at the little show prep, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I wanted, to, I wanted to know what he would say about Angie, Angie Dickinson. And he said something like, "Oh la la." Oh, and then he just shut up. It just, "Oh la la," is enough. Yeah. Frank Sinatra saying, "Oh la la," about Angie Dickinson. That that's uh, that's great for me. And now in those days, Rick, this is pre. Feminism and all that kind of stuff, pre-political correctness. So I could ask a Frank Sinatra, who's got the best legs in show business? You know, I could ask him questions like that.
0: Remember that? Remember when you could ask people questions about who's the hottest (laughs) babe you saw? (laughs) Tell me about the best set of legs you've ever seen, Frankie. And
1: and frankly, I don't know, you know, having this conversation now in 2023, you know, people can, uh, you know, make their own judgments. But all I would have to say to people who are making like uh, casting aspersions, making negative judgments, all I'm doing is being honest with you. Anybody who come from my era, Mm -hmm. and I got into radio in the 70s, so literally half a century ago, anybody that was doing show business half a century ago and and, and would have had any problem with what I'm talking about, uh, they just wouldn't have been in the business. They wouldn't have existed. So I'm really no different, no better, no worse than the rest. I come from a certain culture. So when I'm watching... You know, certain TV shows mm-hmm. uh, from that culture. And right now, you know, I'm trying to think of the one that, that was around years ago. Uh, and these were Mad Men. Uh, they were Ad Men and they were called Mad Men. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of how long it took me watching that show to plug like right in to their era. And I think it may have taken three seconds, four seconds. Like I was instantly grabbed by that show. I yeah. don't know whether I would have been grabbed by it had I not lived in exactly the same era, how they treated, uh, you know, the women at the office, how they treated booze yep. and everything else. It was oh, dude, just, uh, everybody
0: drank even like in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. I remember going into my boss's office at the time and he had a decanter with whiskey on a table in the background. Yeah. And well, we always had I mean, o'clock. you'd knock off, you'd have yeah. a couple cocktails if you were around at four o'clock. I mean, that does not happen anymore, but to your
1: point. Well, we had, we had, you know, I mean, I'll tell you this, Frank Sinatra and I, I mean, I don't think we ever did a show dry. Uh, the only person I can remember where we weren't drinking uh, during the show, during the interview,
0: was Pat Boone. Oh, because he loves Jesus and he's dry. Like he almost drank. He, himself. he,
1: you know what? It's it's hard for me to make fun of Pat Boone because with him, all all let's just call it the, the Jesus stuff. Yeah. With him, it's completely genuine. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was never he was never doing that to make dough. As a matter of fact, I asked him. That was one of the questions I asked Pat Boone. I said, "Would you make a lot more money?" If it weren't for your, and I, I think I called it your a- attachment to your marriage, to your connection with Jesus Christ, something like that. If you weren't, mm-hmm. if you weren't a devout Christian, would you be making a lot more money? And he said, absolutely. Now today that might be a different story, but back then it wasn't, it it, it was not going in his favor uh, to be as devout as he was. There were a lot of roles that he turned down, a lot of tunes that he wouldn't sing. Yeah. Uh, so no. And so he was very sincere, but the thing I most remember about Pat Boone was he was this far off the microphone and he sounded like he was this close really he had a an oak barrel chest yeah uh, he had the most gifted and the cleanest you knew whether he told you about his his faith or not and he wasn't ever preaching if you asked him about it he told you otherwise he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, he wasn't uh, evangelizing um, does everyone understand the word evangelizing?
0: Um, I do, implicitly. It means okay. he wasn't trying to convert people. No, with his he, every, wasn't, he wasn't
1: evangelizing. He wasn't proselytizing. Yep. He wasn't trying to ask, You know, he wasn't getting me to come to Jesus. He wasn't one of those guys. Yeah. But Pat Boone, you could tell just in how, in the clarity of his pipes, that he never drank. He never smoked. Uh, he was as, as pure... As they get, and it was impossible for me not to love Pat Boone. So I did. I just, I, but uh, but I, I fell in love with with talent. Period. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter whether it was male, female, uh, young, old. Um, there's something about talent that attracts me uh, like like nothing else. Uh, if you know, if someone asks me, if someone would just say, "Chuck, what's your drug? You know, what are you what are you hooked talent on? People. T- talent people. Talent. Yeah, talent. You love is
0: pros. You love people that are like. Aces at what they do. They figured something out that other people haven't. Which brings me to my first question for you. What do you think of the talent in politics to this day? Because (laughs) we've been dealing with some talentless folks recently. On every side of the aisle, and oh. some things happened over the past few days, and we've got some stuff to get to. One, the big lie when it comes to the economy. I want to talk about Hamas because they decided some of their friends would interfere in Christmas celebrations and malls. By the way, we'll do, you, do you think
1: do you think someone on city council in Toronto is going to try to rename? Eaton Center, the Hamas Center. Probably I don't think that's
0: acceptable. Probably. Okay. That's uh yeah, yeah I we're just think very left leaning.
1: Whatever you want to call it, political correctness, wokeness, whatever some people yeah, yeah. bent over so backwards uh, that yeah. I would be a surprised a bunch of terrorists. I'd be surprised if someone wasn't right now and saying, You know what? Yeah. As a show of kindness, and, you know, yeah. whatever, I, I
0: don't know. Well I, we I, don't I, I, my mama, I just don't know. I don't think you are. I, I think I think that that there's you know, and, and we'll get to it. We'll get to the tension that that lives in trying yeah. not to offend a group of terrorists, which I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not. But if that, they took that a that poll, era. if they
1: took a poll in down just yeah. downtown Toronto, no, no point in going all the way to Etobicoke, right? It's just downtown Toronto. They, they took a poll right now. Yeah, and uh, the question was, do you think we should rename the Eaton Center the Hamas Center? How how well? I think that question would laugh.
0: I would say 20% of the people no. would say it's a great idea oh, no. in this country. Yeah, and specifically in this area of the country because we're brain dead, dude. Like I there, there's a legitimate criticism of the open and inclusive left of the people that are like that that, that just don't understand the spoils of war, that don't and and they all live here. Like every single oh my one of them. Really you've lived here. You it, know it, what it's like. It, like this I, I, I've is what you drama. have to do or else you're an asshole. Yeah, like I put like, out a tweet. Yeah. Let's just deal with the Hamas thing because there are a whole bunch of people that are ripping through uh, the malls this weekend in Toronto. And, and if you've yeah. seen some of the videos. And it's I'll, it's I'll called Christmas. Somewhere. It's the yeah. Christmas holiday for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's Christmas. Of course Christmas. they're
1: ripping through the malls.
0: You got people uh, trying to enjoy themselves. You've got a couple of uh, different videos I'd like to play yeah. for you today. You got families trying to shop. And we all know on October the seventh that Hamas, which is the governing body in Palestine, that's the government, sent thousands of fucking degenerates in, into <laughs> Israel to literally commit terrorist yeah. acts but, but, and beheadings but have to, and murders. What, yeah,
1: but what people have to know is we can go over the laundry list of the acts. I don't want to do that. Sure, I just want people. I just want people to understand that Hamas really does believe in suicide bombings. Okay. They don't call them that, but they do believe in people martyring themselves yeah. for their God, okay? So th- th- that too is genuine. It ain't pretty like Pat Boone, but it's genuine, okay? Yeah. So for them to know, and they would know, that of course Israel is going to respond more vigorously, more uh, frighteningly than ever before, okay? Sure. They know that, Okay. So And they're okay with that, just like they were okay with losing most of the suicide bombers or the terrorists that they sent across into Israel. They asked them to stay for longer and longer and longer. They wanted them to be confronted with the IDF, with the Israelis, and and they eventually were. And most of them were terminated, okay? Most of them were terminated. You don't hear about thousands of, 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 of prisoners from that day because most of them were terminated, neutralized, whatever you want to call it. They're gone. Mm -hmm. And they were under orders to stay until they would be gone, until they were, quote, martyred. Mm -hmm. The larger point here is they knew fully well that Israel would respond vigorously. They knew they would lose thousands, perhaps tens of thousands, who knows how many, perhaps a hundred thousand, whatever. The number doesn't matter to them. Because the fact that their own people, in this case, the people living in Gaza, the civilians, Mm -hmm. don't matter to them. If they die, they're all martyrs. I hate to, you know, take a a Christian phrase and install it here, but I have to, especially this time here. As far as Hamas is concerned, the more Palestinians die, the more the merrier. And as, as, as crazy as that may seem to people, it is not crazy to Hamas.
0: No, no, it's not. And they're the governing party of that area of the world. They have, have been for 12 years. The so governing you- party
1: without any... Uh, feeling of responsibility to feed, to hold, to maybe build the odd bomb shelter. None of that, because their attitude is that's the job of the United Nations.
0: Mm-hmm. Not only is it the job of the United Nations, um, we don't really care if any of those people die anyway, because we'll just take pictures and videos and we'll make them look bad when the whole goal is, you know, uh, for any anybody in that government, the, the entire goal is how can we kill Jews? That's yeah, yeah, number yeah, I mean, one, uh, and then everything talk, else comes I mean, Even
1: when that. they were killing the, the Jews, uh, whether they were – Slitting throats, uh, shooting, you know, throwing them into fires—whatever it was, uh, whatever their their plan of, of homicide was, no matter how grisly it was—and and why do we know about all this? Because they took video. Because they're mm-hmm. proud of it. Um, they never they never talked about Palestine when they were doing what they were doing, when they were slitting and shooting and all the rest of it. It was just the phrase, the Alu Akbar phrase. Mm-hmm. So, from their perspective, uh, uh, their God wants to murder, wants to annihilate the Jews. And that's what they were doing over there. And uh, they would happily do it in Toronto or, or anywhere else they could. And uh, some people don't want to understand that. They think these people are only, they, they've got some kind of...
0: They're uh, only about the face, innocent civilians. Yeah, They're faithfulness only about, to yeah, the yeah, innocents. Yeah, yeah. And they want to
1: help the innocents and heal yeah. the innocents. And that's all baloney because billions of dollars, not millions, billions of dollars that have flowed over the years into Gaza, most of it has been spent on building weapons to try to attack Israel so, that, so yeah. that Israel could then attack their people mm-hmm. and create martyrs. So I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know where to go with this. Oh, you I, nailed except, it. I, 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 well, okay, I, I nailed it. <laughs> um, and and I, I, here's, what I, here's what I never understand, Dean. I never yeah. understand this. There's nothing that I've said that isn't known by many thousands of people who do what we do
0: In this country, the timidity. As always, the Dean Blundell show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io, factcheck.io. Do you believe the good people at factcheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists, journalists And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot IO. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software dot IO back to the show. The, the, the cowardice of saying the, the loud part loudly. Yeah. Trying to educate people. You get in yeah. trouble for it, dude. Like, like, listen, I'm going to play a video here. Right. And I'll tell okay. you what happened after I posted this video, yeah. after you posted this video, you see the replies. Yeah. Um. You have Hamas sympathizers rolling through malls in Toronto at Christmas time, literally on purpose, interrupting kids, getting pictures with Santa. And here you go. There you go. We're doing the whole, let's go in there with a free Palestine flag. Uh, Kids with the, there's one kid crying, uh, another kid with elf ears on. They're just trying to get pictures taken with Santa. Uh, I believe this is in the Eaton Center. Uh, This is in Toronto. Uh, Eaton Center was was bombed, targeted uh, by these very well-organized groups that are funded somehow. Uh, This is not just grassroots. These aren't just people who are tired of what they call genocide started by, which is really what they're tired of, is the response of a war started by their country. And so they want everything to end and stop. And in their infinite wisdom, they think they're going to drum up support by going into malls and literally scaring the shit out of children. It doesn't stop there. And I want your impression on both of these stories and both of these videos when i am done. This one was worse. This is also at the Eaton Center. Um, this this came with guys in ski masks wearing the traditional headscarves uh, that Hamas has used. You can say it's, they're Palestinian. You can say whatever they want. But these are the people that talk about resisting Israeli colonialism. These are the people that stood up and probably cheered. Uh, these are people that are now walking around malls. This is, once again, the Eaton Center, and I want you to listen very carefully threatening to put people six feet underground who have an issue with, you know, a few dozen people with flags running into the mall, praying, telling people that, uh, you know, that that their God is uh, going to take out, you know, all of their people and Israelis and Jews or genocidal maniacs. Like these are all things that were yelled at people, but I want you to pay special attention to this one. This is middle of the day Yesterday, Christmas shopping in Toronto, Eaton Center, Swarovski Crystal Trees up, Santa's in town, and here come the terrorist sympathizers.
2: Do you believe freedom? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> putting on the floor. You come near me, i put you lay down on the floor. I'll lay you to sleep. I'll put you six feet deep. I'll put you six feet deep. A put in, a club.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. There you go. he's
0: a Uh, We don't need to watch any more of that. Uh, What we need to do is talk about that. That is Christmas season. That is in Canada. We have a charter of rights and freedoms, which every person is as an immigrant to this country. I take very seriously. Uh, So I don't do shit like that. I don't do shit like that on purpose. I don't like protests. Let me just preface everything with what I'm saying. I hate all protests equally. I don't care what they're about. If you're going to hurt another human being. It has nothing to do with any of this. uh, That has something to do with something that's happening 10,000 kilometers away. Uh, If you're going to do that, if you're going to hurt people, if you're going to threaten people. And this is all we see. This is all we see from almost every protest that happens, whether it's the Freedom Convoy, which I like to refer to as the Flu Trucks Clan, or whether it's this. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care where you're from. I don't care. What I care about is the fabric of Canadiana getting ripped apart and the fact that we're not doing anything about it. And I'm not talking about white people. I'm not talking about the way that we do democracy because it is legitimately in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms that those freedoms to protest, those freedoms to be disruptive, stop when they impinge on my freedom to go about and enjoy my day. And listen, you can sit there. Anybody can sit there, Charles, and I want your thoughts on this. Anybody can sit there and tell me that I should have a problem with genocide. And I do what is going on is a response to a war that was started by terrorists. So if you're going to sit there and tell me that I'm wrong or I don't have any sympathy when that stuff bothers me, which it bothers me no matter where it is or why it happens, it bothers me because we've got people that are trying to go about their business with the Canadians that are trying to live their lives. And we're given a promise no matter where they're from. If you were born here, if you came here like I did, like you did, if you came here, you were promised a peaceful existence, and you are promised freedoms that stop and start at the end of your nose, and that is not happening here, Charles. Not so, happening.
1: Uh, so uh, non-white people do democracy the same way white people do democracy. It's not a white brown anything thing. Uh, you know, Nahid Nahid Nenshi, the uh, former mayor of uh, Calgary, is one of my favorite uh, practitioners of democracy, and it is not about the, the color of skin. I could go down the line. But I don't need to do any more to make the point, whether it's the prime minister of of Great Britain or people all around the world who are non-white, who are uh, practicing democracy. You know, Martin Luther King believed in democracy and Martin Luther King wasn't a white guy either. So let's get past the the color barrier uh, with that and then go to something else. Um, My father and everything we talk about, uh, Dean, uh, it doesn't matter what the format is, what the platform is. Uh, we both believe in, in the same thing. If you can't make it personal, um, you know you're really not doing your job. All of these issues affect us personally in a number of ways. So, I came from a different country. I came from Hungary, which is a little country in uh, Central Europe, right next door to 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 Ukraine and and Poland and. The, uh, Slovakia and some other countries. I think Hungary is bordered by six or seven countries. Austria, I think I've named enough to let people know exactly where Hungary is on the map. So that's the little country uh, I came from. And uh, it was uh, dominated by uh, communism, by authoritarianism. Earlier, it had been dominated by by fascism. And uh, that's just the way things were in Hungary. It uh, went from uh, worse to bad, bad to worse. It was bad news. And uh, my parents were able to get me out of there. My Father threw me in the uh, in the backpack, uh, put me on his back, and uh, my mother was a scout, and we ran for it. And uh, fortunately, we we got the hell out of uh, that that communist uh, hellhole, and we became refugees in Canada. So the deal my father made with me—I was two and a half when we we, we came here—but the deal that he made with me um, when I was two and a half, three and a half, six and a half, eight and a half, ten and a half—I can't remember how often he told me—but it was it was the only way you get to stay in this country is if you do no harm to Canadians. This is the Adler family's promised land. They rescued us. We rescued you. Canada rescued you. But you are going right back to Hungary if you harm a single Canadian in any way. That didn't mean just physical harm in any way. So if I had gone into a shopping mall like the Eaton Centre and uh, traumatized kids by yelling... Whatever messages I wanted to be yelling, but getting in the way of, in this case, Christmas celebrations, Canadian celebrations. My father might have demanded that authorities deport me. Okay, that's how That's how planted in cement his feet were on this. He was really serious. And my father was not alone. Many people who came to this country from countries all over the world, whether they were white or non-white or whatever had that attitude, you know, Canada is accepting us. The Canadian people are wonderful. They're giving us freedom. They're giving us refuge. We do not pay them back with anything but gratitude. And so that's why I've said often that my entire career, for more than 50 years, has been a thank you card to Canada. And that's what it is. And it's on behalf of Canada, whether I'm tweeting or talking to my best friend, Dean Blundell, that I say, We are not just a community of shopping centers. We're a real country. And when people come into the Eaton Center and do something like this, at least one arrest has to be made. And I'm just not asking for much. At least one arrest, and that's of the person who threatened a Canadian, it may have been a police officer, it may have been a civilian, it doesn't matter to me, threatened someone telling them that he was willing to put them six feet under. That is called uttering a threat. Uttering a threat isn't inappropriate, it is criminal. And I don't care about the color of your skin, your religion, or your cause. Criminal is criminal. In a liberal democracy, the only way we can retain the democracy, because a democracy offers far more freedom than authoritarian regimes like the one I was born in, the only way a democracy can stay out of chaos, out of anarchy, out of constant violence and fear and terror, is to apply the rule of law, which should have been done, and am I upset with Toronto police for not making an arrest?
0: Damn right I am. You should be. Um, but have we not tested the limits of the rule of law solidly for the past three years? Like, you know, I, I can't help but think of that if, you know, not only in your 100% right, the douchebag and the ski mask, and I go back to this all the time. I don't care where you're from. Don't care about the color of your skin. I preached it for three weeks in Ottawa. I I preach it now is that when you see people continually thumbing their nose at the rule of law and getting away with it, it breathes this environment, this, this new life into this environment of like, we can come and go as we please. We can do whatever we want. We can take a dump in the streets of Ottawa for three solid weeks and they're not going to do anything. I happen to think, though, that if, you know, the roles were reversed and the people that were protesting, the pro Hamas supporters took over Ottawa for three weeks, they wouldn't have been there for three weeks. Right. I think we've got a couple of double standards, but I also think for the past, I don't know how long and I want your thoughts on this for the past three years, we've been allowing people to threaten politicians. We've been like their lives We've been allowing people to take over cities. We've been allowing people to shut down borders and nothing ever happens. Chuck,
1: nothing. well, nothing ever happens. and And we sit here and we wonder why some people in Canada are okay with Donald Trump. And, and, and we fail sometimes to understand, wait a minute, we're constantly ticked off that, that, that people are being pushed around, traumatized, terrorized. Their businesses are interrupted. Their lives are interrupted. And their life as Canadians is interrupted. And we sometimes wonder, wait a minute, uh, you know, could this happen in another country? Well, there are things that are happening in the United States right now where you've got thousands upon thousands of migrants trying to get into the States every single day. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about yours truly being anti-immigrant or anti-anybody. But I can totally understand Why Americans, whether they're called Democrats or Republicans or independents, are upset about what's happening on the border situation. And there's only one guy who is really, one politician, who's really taking advantage of the situation. Is he going too far with his rhetoric? Yes, of course he's going too far with his rhetoric. But the reason many people are supporting him isn't because they love his rhetoric. It's because they feel that if he were the president, he would end the problem. Yeah. would he end the problem? I don't know. I can't tell you that he would. That problem existed when he was president. The problem is now worse. Would he do more? Would he be more aggressive about keeping people off that border or keeping people from coming into the country or getting people out of the country if they're in the country and all of that? Well, of course he would be. I mean, that's not, that's not even debatable. But the point is, I don't want Canada to get into a situation where people are demanding a Canadian version of Donald Trump, just to be able to Christmas shopping to, to 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 make sure that when your kid or your grandkid and you yeah. are going to visit uh, Santa, that it isn't a risky piece of business because it was never risky. I vis- didn't matter what my heritage was, I visited Santa. At Eaton, at the Eaton store in downtown Montreal, every year. To be was, fair,
0: you you still go and sit on Santa's knee for that <laughs> know, picture I, every year. I know you. Do. I have
1: I have played do the Santa. role of Santa. I played the role of Santa several times <laughs> in several several venues. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes I did it for charity, and that's a whole other story, probably for a different show. But yeah. the point is uh, that tradition, whether it's it's going to you know the the parade, uh, usually it was sponsored by Eaton. So whether it's the Eaton's uh, you know Santa Claus parade or visiting Santa was never seen in this country, this beautiful country, the ground of which my father has kissed several times. And I've done it a few times myself when I'm coming back from overseas and I just kind of do it. As a matter of fact, it was a it was a Toronto program director. I, I won't I won't mention his name, but it was a Toronto program director who told me to never talk about that on the radio ever again. I mentioned him really? one time. I never meant And I I, I I said, I know who he is. (laughs) We're not going to mention his name. Anyway, he's he said that he 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 didn't want me to talk about that because he didn't think that it was uh, credible. And your credibility matters to me. So I said, you know what? The next time I'm in Toronto, I said we'll go out for dinner. I'll kiss the ground, and I, I will. I Show will kiss the here. ground right in front of. Him. He says, "Don't, don't, don't." don't. He says, you, the, the, you, the if, you "If you do that, could
0: you do it right in front of the Hooker Harvey's at Carlton Church? <laughs> it's like the dirtiest place in the whole city." That'd well, be a lot the, of the, the reason
1: the reason I would kiss the ground at a Harvey's is because for years, when I was a student,
0: curly fries,
1: Harvey's. I just I couldn't I couldn't love
0: Harvey's enough. Yeah, I, I
1: even loved their pickles.
0: I know. That's so do why. That's the only thing I like. Actually, they, so I don't they, mind a good Harvey's burger. But the
1: way they did their burgers was yeah. better than McDonald's or or anybody else. Still
0: are. Still are. It's an unsung treat. Uh, let me bring something back to what you said earlier. <clears throat> You're an immigrant to this country. I'm an immigrant sure. to this country. Yeah. I was two when I came over. Were you two? Two years old? I was two. Yeah, two and a half. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Yeah, so,
1: uh, Yeah, it was exactly two. Uh, we came in February. So uh, born in August. Exactly two and a half. Yeah.
0: So I came over here at two. Yeah, And from the time I can remember until I was like 18, 19, when I moved out of the house officially to go to university, there was one common theme as an immigrant to this country. That theme was commit a crime, get deported. Bingo. And I don't care if you get deported. My dad would legitimately say that. Yeah. And then because my dad was a big fan of manipulating people's brains, it was he was the master at it. He would do one of these. He would go. You know what happens if you get arrested in Canada? If you're a foreign citizen, they lock you up in a special room. Like, I'm like <laughs> eight. I'm eight. Lock you up in a special room with a whole bunch of diseases. <laughs> oh, God. And then they send you back to the shithole country you came from, England. That's what he would say to me. England, you came from England. And, you know, there's, there's a difference between escaping communism, fascism. There's a difference between escaping, you know, a refugee camp and coming from England. But we had the quality of life of refugees, in england so when my dad got here and he got a big time job out of nowhere right and they're like yeah we'll take you he's like oh my god this is the greatest country in the world i just went from filling boxes of of paint cans to being a radio executive this is this is incredible it's like, like what a country right my dad spent extra time making sure we understood how special this country was yeah. for everybody that came. So he would spend a little extra time scaring the shit out of us. So we didn't wreck it for him. Right. Or like we, cause he, and that was imparted upon me, the sense of pride that yeah, right. folks allowed us in. And the, you know, my dad tells a story about arriving and, and the smiles on people's faces and customs, letting us through welcoming us into the country and his new lease on life and this beautiful life he got to live. So to your point, You Folks, you might be watching this on YouTube, Cryer Media on YouTube, Dean Blundell Show on YouTube. You might be listening to this on the Charles Adler podcast or the Dean Blundell Show podcast. We are immigrants, too. And you can say that we got a leg up because of the color of our skin. That's fine. You're probably right because we're cis white men. I get it. But Charles and I were literally threatened by an old school Europeans Yes. With the idea that we could be in some gulag. It was, in a it, far was, away it, was country. it was, it was, it was
1: discipline. And, you know, you talk about your, your dad and, uh, and, and all of a sudden he got this great opportunity after coming to Canada. And, you know, he's, he's probably ever since then, said like wow, Canada. Wow. What, a, what a country, what a which is why we take umbrage when someone wants to put down our country or abuse our country at the Eden center or anywhere else. Here's the thing. My father, uh, did factory labor from, uh, 1957 uh, to 1963. So six years after coming to the country, he was able to put together enough dough uh, to buy a little, a little shop, a little tailor shop. Now, he worked more in the tailor shop. Like a lot of people who work for themselves, they end up working longer hours. You know what this is like than, than mm-hmm. when they're working for someone else. But it didn't matter that his hours were now longer owning his little shop. The idea of owning a shop I mean, he had fled. He was a refugee from a communist country. In a communist country, you have trouble owning your own thoughts, never mind property or a business. Owning your own business? Are you kidding me? Within six years of coming here, he got to own his own business. And in that business, of course, that's where I was raised because I'd be doing all these uh, chores for him. doing. You whatever, were you were
0: steaming pants at the tender age of five, yeah, weren't yeah, you? I was, yeah, I, yeah, Well, yeah. Not,
1: not five, but eight. Okay, so, so I started working uh, <laughs> pretty young. Uh, and there was and loading coal, loading coal into the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the boiler and delivering clothes on my bicycle or on foot. And then doing did you all wrap kinds him,
0: of, can I ask you, did you wrap them in the paper with the little string in the bow, like old school? And you put them on your bike and you'd pedal them over to someone's house. Yeah, yeah all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Here's your shirt, Mr. Well, and, and Mrs. And, and, McGillicuddy.
1: And, and the way, and, and they were, uh, most of them were called names like Mrs. McGillicuddy because it's the old, uh, it's the old Montreal, and, uh, and all of these people were, most of these people were from exactly the same country that, uh, that you came from. They were from England, Scotland, Ireland, you know, the, sure. the part, yeah, of yeah, that yeah. part of the world. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing I figured out right from the beginning, ever, ever since I was eight years old, is that you would get tips, right, if you gave them extra service. So not only would I deliver pants, skirts, coats, whatever, to Mrs. McGillicuddy, okay, I would ask Mrs. McGillicuddy if there's anything else I could do for her. So it could be sweeping the walk. It could be, you know, feeding the dog, uh, you know, at at a time of day where she wouldn't be at home. It could be going to get some groceries for her. Like I would turn myself into Mrs. McGillicuddy's manservant. Anything you need, because she would compensate me for that. So I would turn, you know, I mean, we call it upselling now, you know, you go to a restaurant and they encourage you to buy a certain cocktail and buy a certain dessert and buy a certain this and, you know, as we call it upselling. Well, I was doing upselling when I was eight years old. And so I, I loved it. it. One of the one of the reasons it's always been difficult for me to envy the rich is the rich people who could, you know, who had, it was easier for them to afford tailoring, which is my, what my father did, altering their clothes, you know, pulling them in letting them out uh, you know cutting this and, and and adding to that trimming this and trimming that the point is all of that costs money I'm not saying that it was really really expensive but it was the kind of money the average person didn't have money to do so rich people a lot of rich people were were customers my dad impossible for me to envy and hate the rich because the rich put money in, in my pocket and I was as um as poor as could be, you know, I just sometimes think that, uh, my, my, my folks and I, uh, we were, um, uh, we were so poor. We, uh, uh, we didn't have a pot to piss in or a, or a window to throw it out of.
0: But, I love uh, that saying
1: it's still, thanks, my th- 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 <laughs> thankfully, thankfully we worked hard, but the, the larger point here is it was impossible for us not to appreciate a country where we were allowed to have our own little shop. Sure. And by having a shop, we had independence and Everything about my attitude, about everything, was formed and framed in that shop. And I thank goodness that I was raised in the crucible of freedom. No one has to explain to me what freedom is. And no, I, I don't want to get into the whole vaccine thing because it had nothing to do with that. If I had refused a, uh, you know, a polio vaccine, and that was something that you know we had to do when I was very very young, if I had wanted to refuse a polio vaccine because some charlatan had uh, convinced me that it was a good idea. Uh, to have my bodily autonomy or whatever, uh, my father would have probably wanted to send me back to Hungary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good, thing, good thing you're a good listener. Um, So one of the things that that happens, and I've watched you stand up against it. You had a great tweet thread today about it. Uh, the disrespect and the lies told about this country by political institutions. And one of the ones that runs around, because it's a cudgel that conservatives in this case use if, conservatives were the government de jour i'm sure liberals would do the same thing but it's i call it the big economic lie right is you and i talk a lot about off air we talk a lot about the victim crew the victim crowd people who don't have the perspective that you and i have or fair minded canadians that have the ability to reason or the intelligence quotient to be able to cr- think critically every metric i've seen chuck when it comes to our economy, says it's roaring, right? It says inflation is in check. What is it? 3.1%, if I'm not mistaken. It could be wrong. It's in and around 3.1%. The lowest out of every G7 nation. We're taking renewable resources and renewable energies to the next level. People are investing. Countries are investing in clean energy. The Stellantis plant down in windsor we're seeing a real robust economy in a country that has real great checks and balances avoid a worldwide recession and before we congratulate politicians for getting ahead of the economic curve it is the one lie that is told to certain groups of people every year it's like oh, the economy sucks in this country. The economy sucks. You need to, Trude, Trudeau's response, it's the liberal, it's this, the economy sucks. The economy doesn't suck at all. But you have people out there going, yeah, it does, that don't know what goes into any kind of austerity measure or what an economy is or GDP. Like, you have people literally running around with a fire hose screaming, the economy's on fire when it isn't. And it is amazing the traction that you got in your last tweet trying to explain that to people. Is this the big lie that Canadians are facing today? Well, you know,
1: I see, feel see, like it's, it's one of them. It's, it's easy to promulgate the big lie because our economy at the moment is a little softer than it was a couple of years ago. I'm not going to get into all this stuff about post-pandemic and how it's been the case in, in many countries, and et cetera. I, mean, I don't want to do that. The point is that even though the economy at the moment is taking a breath, and part of that is the high interest rates and the high interest rates have been imposed so that the economy would slow down. The Bank of Canada wanted to slow the economy down because the Bank of Canada wanted to tame inflation. So inflation, which was at 5 and 6 and 7% is now at about 3%, as Dean just said, 3.1%. Um, and it'll go to 2.5%. Mm-hmm. And when it gets to very close to 2.5%, which it will in the next few months, the uh, Bank of Canada will lower rates. They'll probably lower rates twice next year. So the year will start off a little soft, and around the middle of the year, the autumn of next year, autumn in Vermont, Mel Torme. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: by autumn of next year, it, things should be relatively hunky-dory again. But even putting all of that aside, in, in, in inflation and everything you hear about the different problems of the economy, our economy is still the 11th largest in the world. And we only have 40 million people. Think about that, folks. Think about all the countries in the world that have way more than 40 million people. We only have 40 million people. We have a little over 20 million people in the workforce. And in most communities, people who want work, they might not find the jobs that they want. But if people want to work, they can work. That's how low the unemployment rate is. It's 5% nationally. The deal is that while the economy is not as strong as it was a couple of years ago, And certainly not as strong as it will be a couple of years from now we are still one of the most powerful countries most powerful economies in the world and to pretend and here's where i end up coming down to pretend that canadians cannot find happiness i feel horrible for people in food banks who have to go to food banks i feel horrible for people who are homeless i feel horrible for people who are addicted i feel horrible for people who are suffering from terrible diseases i have spent decades talking to people who are struggling. I relate to struggling because it's hard for me to take myself out of what it was like when I was a child. I understand struggle. But I also understand that my father ordered me, ordered me, commanded me to tell the truth. I am not going to say that in this wonderful promised land called Canada, people cannot attain a middle-class lifestyle and that people cannot attain a measure of happiness. I'm not going to say that because that would be a big lie. And there are people who hustle clicks on social media and they hustle politics who want people to believe that it's over for Canada and that the only way Canada can come back is if you vote for the right political party. I think of that as sleazy. I think of that as morally reprehensible. I think of that as disgusting. Taking advantage of people who are struggling or taking advantage of people who are afraid that they will join the strugglers and saying to them that currently the people in power want you to struggle. They want you to suffer. They want to deprive you of your happiness. And unless somebody else gets into power, it's all over for you and your family. I loathe that message and I refuse to spread that kind of evangel. That's
0: snake oil. Who's spreading that right now? That's that's the Conservative
1: Party position. The Conservatives want people to be as depressed as possible, as despondent as possible, as hopeless as possible, and as angry as possible. And uh, I give them credit for this. They sure know how to get it done. They sure know how to get millions of people to believe that Canada's over. Canada ain't over. Yogi Berra, the great American once said, it ain't over till it's over. And if Yogi were here with me right now, knowing what he knows about this great country. And he knew a lot. Wasn't very far from where he lived in New York. He knew a lot of Canadians. And in those days, the dollar was about the same. There was much more travel back and forth, blah, 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 blah. Yogi Berra would not put up with the idea that it's over for America or it's over for Canada. When I worked in the States, I would say nobody ever made any money. Nobody nobody ever made any money betting against the United States. And Americans really could identify with that because... Americans are are, are big on betting on this, betting on that. Americans are big on gambling. Canadians, not quite as big on gambling, maybe, although maybe that's changed. Whether or not you're big on gambling, I say the same thing on the Canadian soil that I kiss. Nobody made any money betting against Canada, and nobody ever will. This has nothing to do with who's in power. I could care less. Whether conservatives are in power, liberals, NDP, whatever, the country is much larger than political parties, political memberships, and political horse crap, okay? The country is much bigger than that, always has been, always will be. This is an incredible country. This isn't just the Adler family promised land. It's the Blundell family promised land and the McGillicuddy promised land and the Singh promised land and the promised land for the Nenshis and a lot of people, millions upon millions of people. And I simply ask people, do not cave to the cave dwellers. Are things tougher now, in many respects, tougher than they were a couple of years ago? They sure are. And in a couple of years, they'll be a lot better. But we are still doing better than most countries in the world. And there is no reason to believe that there is something so fundamentally flawed in this country, you know, that we've got some kind of terminal cancer, that it's all over unless St. Polyev gets into power. That's baloney. And by the way, Dean, I just want to say this. Yeah he could get into power without doing any of that crap. I mean, why does he he do it then? He does it because he he loves doing it because he's a dick. That's, that's what he's been doing for years.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's who he he, is. He he's always been that guy for the last 20 years. He's been given the life that he has. He's been handed a job working for the prime minister. He was told where he was going to run and who he was going to, who he was going to represent. And, and, dude, it is the same person in that party, whether it's Pierre Polyev or the minister of whatever the fuck she says she's the minister of from Peterborough, Kawartha uh michelle ferrari she's she'd be week. a critic i don't think she'd be a minister well yeah yeah Sorry. i mean she, so who knows a, she she may be a minister of justice no she's a, she's a minister of tampons <laughs> and how much she hates them um yeah. she put out a video this week to your point of like snake oil salesman like let's see how mad we can make a certain culture of people who do not understand how life works and i i would venture a guest to say we mentioned it earlier we're not sending our best and our brightest i'm going to play you this video Michelle yeah. Ferrari is getting legitimately cannibalized over the next and has been for the past several days. And the reason why is because she decided in her infinite wisdom it would be a really good idea to be a voyeur. It would be a really good idea to take her camera and an aide, go into the men's bathroom in the House of Commons and mock the idea, mock the idea, a pilot program the government put together. Of making sure there were free feminine hygiene products in every bathroom, just in case a trans man walks in and needed to use the product. I mean, be, a let's be clear: but, needed yeah. one, and they were in the bathroom. Yeah. But, but this, this is a pilot project, and right. we'll play the video in just a but second. I want to be, be clear about this trans man crap, okay? Because
1: yeah. I, is it in talking about this, you talk about me. I get all these people on uh, on social media asking me do I believe that a man has periods, okay? Because that's how that's how imbecilic some of this crowd is. No, a man, a biological man, does not have periods, and I'm embarrassed as hell, okay, that I have to tell any fellow Canadian that. A, a woman who has transitioned to becoming a man but is in transition can have periods, and that's what the, the tampons are about. And I don't know whether Michelle Ferrari even understands that. I don't I can't imagine how she couldn't. Guaranteed she's, she doesn't. Well, okay, then then you know then she's got then she's got other problems. Hey, I'll but play anyway, this just, video and you just can ask wanted, yourself just, that I just, question. I just, wanted, again. I just wanted to back that up because I don't want people to think that don't don't Dean and Chuck understand that guys don't have periods?
0: <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we, get we it. do, guys. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, but there are exceptions to the rule, and so inclusivity is a deal. Here, let's watch this woman commit a crime on hallowed ground.
2: Huh? And I'm standing in the hall of uh, my Confederation building on Parliament Hill. This is my Ottawa office, so you can see right here. So this is a federally regulated space. I'm a federally regulated employee. Now, I'm going to take you on a little tour today, and I'm going to show you something that I think is going to astound you. When we talk about wasteful spending and a cost-of-living crisis that is created because of wasteful spending, I'm going to tell you something. The average uh, income of a Canadian is around sixty-four, sixty-five thousand dollars $65,000. That's according to um, online sources that we have sourced. The average...
0: Hey, did you check that? That's according to online sources that we've sourced, Chuck. That's (laughs) so you know. That's the kind of economic genius we're dealing with here. Online sources that we sourced. We continue this drivel. Of a
2: federally regulated employee is $70,000. Now, period poverty is a very real thing. And we have the highest food bank usage in history. Meaning people who can't afford food also can't afford period products. So you...
0: Nothing like talking about the food bank and period products. I continue.
2: see uh, many often uh, period products in food banks, which makes total sense. But what if I told you the N- liberal NDP government is mandating that period products be available in all federally regulated workspaces? So for people who have an average income of $70,000, they are going to have access to period products. Shouldn't that be going to people who can't afford them? Dylan is from my office. Dylan, we're gonna go into the men's bathroom here in a federally regulated building.
0: Which by the way is 100% illegal. A little check for me, make sure
2: there's no one in there. Hello? No, we're good. Yeah, we're good, come on in. So this is the the men's bathroom. And I wanna show you what has been put in the bathrooms. That is period products for federally regulated employees. I can't stress enough to you how out of touch this is.
0: She's 100% right about that. And I don't need to subject any more people to that stupidity. So we'll end it a good 20 seconds early. I cannot stress enough how stupid that is. And it's and I think we're coming at it from different perspectives where a woman who, prior to this, was one of those mom bloggers who would do, like, videos in the bathtub, like this one. There you go. Oh,
2: You should be grateful. This, you know what I say? Have a little cry, go to bed, get up, and start over tomorrow.
0: Oh, or or ones like this, where she's drinking wine, telling people to F off.
2: You a lot of you that sounds funny because i have like four people on my supporters group which i fucking love you i don't know what i'm gonna do for you yet but i'm gonna do something because i'm like time of covid 19 and these four fucking people decide to spend 6.95 american on you a month michelle like thank you have i
0: so, so that's what she did before she ascended to becoming an MP somehow anointed herself with a brain and decided it'd be a good idea to do something illegal, make a voyeur video, go into a bathroom and completely disregard the entire reason for feminine hygiene products being mandated to be in men's and women's bathrooms in the confederation building, which is a government regulated building, which is a pilot project that, you know, if you know anything about, and I've been married before, if you know, anything about this subject, more hygiene products, feminine hygiene products, readily available is good for everybody. It's good for men. It's good for women. It's good for inclusiveness. It's good for hygiene. It's just good for everybody. And so she completely ignores all of that, all the reasoning, and decides it's wasteful spending. Yeah. While she, her entire forehead isn't moving because she has right. government-funded Botox. Okay, so we, explain but just, to me. But how just this works clear, in, in Peterborough
1: and Br- Peterborough and some other parts of Canada. The conservatives are dining out on parental rights issues and a whole lot of other issues with all kinds of different names, but all of it has to do with the paranoia of trans people. And so one of their favorite causes is the idea that uh, these products, uh, these tampons are being put into male washrooms just in case somebody using the male washroom is a woman, a biological woman transitioning to be a man. It's just that simple. Anyway, I'm supposed to fear these people. Uh, uh, I'm supposed to be paranoid of these people. I'm supposed to believe that these people are are trying to convince people who are called children uh, to lop off their genitals because I've heard all this kind of kind of, kind of crap uh, from, from you know this crowd. Anyway, this is this is the crowd that the uh, conservatives are are trying to whip up. You know, some of this crowd belongs to the PPC, uh, the Bernier's Party. And uh, the conservatives want to make sure that every everybody in Bernier part, Bernier's party feels comfortable with Polyev's party. And uh, this woman uh, who happens to be the MP from, from Peterborough is playing to that particular crowd. So it has nothing to do with government, government spending, unfairness, the food bank, the poor. No, no, no. It's just another way to feed another biscuit uh, to the people who are paranoid about trans people.
0: Why are they paranoid? What 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 is it that they are so afraid like well, how, does it, afraid how does a tampon scare certain people because, so because, much
1: Well the, the the the
0: the tampon in the male washroom
1: is a reminder that it's for biological women who are transitioning to be men in other words it's for it's for some trans people and trans people make them paranoid and have trans people having rights and having access and being treated like like all the rest of us you know yeah. what a country Canada we're all treated we believe everyone should be treated equally, except some people believe that some people should not be treated equally and some people should not have rights and some people should not be teaching in school and some people should not have books in the library yep. that speak to them and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and people like her, you know, they, they whip themselves into a frenzy about stuff that really does not matter to them. It's 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 about other people's rights and other people's dignity. And of course, if you talk this way, you're a communist. You're a socialist. You're a pinko. You're a Marxist. Liberal. You Marxist. you love uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. All it, cause, because 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 that's the way this and that's the, that's the way this thing plays. It's as simplistic and as frankly stupid as it gets. It's, you know what I
0: love about it though too, yeah. and we'll yeah. end on this note. I love the like pure intelligence insult to <laughs> literally everybody trying to convince us that this is about wasteful spending. <laughs> like we know why you're doing that Michelle. We yeah. know why you're doing that. It's cuz you're from Peterborough, you're poorly educated, you don't read, and the things you do read are all fluffy Danielle Steel things, right? That's all she does. Um she 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 records little videos of her in the bathtub after a couple jugs of something and decides that she now has an important voice because somebody in the conservative party was like, she's a battering ram of idiocy. We could really use her in Peterborough Kawartha. And so she now, because of that, she thinks she's ascended into knowledge. There are so many people out there that think they are. And and for for an average person like you or me, I'm just average. I have the ability to reason. I can use critical thought. I can think through things. I can see through the idea that she's trying to perpetrate. What she's really doing, do your point, is she's dog whistling to the crazies out there who literally think trans people are an an, an aberration, some kind of genetic. Freak. They, they
1: do. They do believe that trans people are a threat to their children. I mean, I I, I know this because they they've told me this. Yeah, they, they DM me. They some of them have talked to me. You know, and yeah, they I really can... believe. They really believe what they believe. Become a and trans person she is connecting yeah. them because. Totally, because other because many other people aren't aren't are speaking to the issue the way the way she is, and she does it with with passion. She does it with verbs. She really is into it. She does believe in it. She in in her mind, in her mind, the government spending piece is probably a piece of it. That's not why she's doing it, but but I, I think that people like this rehearse what they're doing. She's rehearsing it, then she's rehearsing it, and then she's rehearsing it, and then she's having it taped. And she really believes what she believes. And she connects with a crowd. She connects with a crowd in Peterborough. She connects with a crowd in various parts of Canada. I haven't looked at how many followers she has, but I'll bet you in recent days that where she's gotten much 30, more comments to people who, who want to critique her, I'll bet you her followership
0: has gone up uh, exponentially. No, she's lost followers. And she's, she, that, that thing, she actually deleted the video. We saved it and kept putting it out. I mean, this isn't working for her. No, it's not working for her. My God, I, I love Canada.
1: I, I, I tell I tell Canadians every day how much I love them. And yeah. if, if if Canadians
0: aren't buying this swill, not at all. This not uh, at all. And and you know what? I'll tell you yeah, something. Well, to, that's to, wonderful. To, to end this on a positive note, yeah. Charles Adler, yeah. the yeah. truth teller, the truth Wolverine, Truth Santa. Um, I'm feeling. And seeing that sea change in people, people are starting to recognize what an operation is. People are starting to be able to see through the bullshit. People are starting to be able to go, oh, she just hates trans people. I get it. So does the entire Conservative Party of Canada. They hate trans people because they want to corner a certain psychotic base. Right. Whether it's the churchy base, whether it's the super conservative base, doesn't matter what it is, if it's just the Abrahamic base, they there, want there, that there crazy is, there, is,
1: there, there is a percentage of people who believe that the, the, the biggest issue in the country is the trans people. Right. They're so stupid. I love it. They're not, not really worried, they're about, not not really worried kind of... about the trans people in the mail washroom. Not really people. They're really worried about women transitioning to men. They're really, really, really worried about men Transitioning to women, and, uh, and and my God, some of them are in their women's washrooms. By the way, are have have we heard any reports of these males who are transitioning to females attacking women
0: no. in, in washrooms? Like, Not have that we, I, heard, I uh, haven't even, heard any, even one. No, yeah, that, and, and someone actually I got in an argument with some guy at dinner a couple of nights ago. Uh, we had a business dinner, and he's like, God. what do you make of the trans bathroom stuff? I'm like, dude, are you not passing out already? Like, who cares who goes to the bathroom next to you? He goes, I don't, <laughs> this is what he said to me. He goes, I don't want to take a dump next to a woman. <laughs> I'm like, I said, dude, I don't want to take a dump next to anybody. Like, it doesn't matter who the person is. Like, it I, like you got a divider there, right? You see shoes. You see shoes. Yeah. What are you going to get? Yeah. You're going to get stage fright when you see a nice pair of high heels. No, no. you're not you're going to get out of there as fast as you can because of the embarrassment of all the noise and all the other stuff going on. Like it, It, it is amazing to me to see how fragile some men are. It is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> you're like, I don't want a woman that wants to be a man in the stall next to me. I'm like, are you serious right now, dude? You've got no problem. You, you zoom out, not... <laughs> take the genitalia out of it. The only, the,
1: the it's only way I'm care. The only way I start to care about the trans people is if they invade the Eaton Center and scare the children. Yeah, I'll get up in uh, when faces. they're when they're it's trying to have their moment do. with Santa by <laughs> yelling all kinds of slogans and and threatening to bury them six six feet deep. You know, when I'll, the trans people start to do that, I'll go I'll, after uh, them. I'll say, "Hey, Pierre, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed, I missed, I missed the big message a couple of years ago." Yeah, oh, we're, we're in now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Charles Adler, <laughs> the Truth Keller, the Truth Wolverine, Truth yeah. Santa, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please go and download his podcast. It's called the Charles Adler podcast, wherever you get these fine podcasts. You can also download this podcast, Dean Blundell show. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can see that beautiful man right there. Live all the time. Last week he was with Kinsella knocked it out of the park. I was fortunate enough to be a guest on the legends podcast as well. He's my mentor. He's a friend and he's the conscience of what should be this industry. Please uh, say thank you to my friend, Charles Adler. And I hope you have a great day, dude. Thank you, Canada, and I love you. (laughs) Hey, Chuck Torme, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Say thank you to Chuck, by the way. He just dropped some hot knowledge on you. Look through all the bullshit. If you want to know what's going on, I'm going to give his private phone number out on Twitter. (laughs) I am. I'm going to give it. So anytime you're like, Michelle Ferrari did this, what does it really mean? You can just call Chuck, and we'll do it like movie phone, where it's like... Like 18 bucks a minute, right? Where he's making big dough and he can talk to you through, uh, oh yeah, she did that because she hates trans people. And you'd be like, okay, thanks. Here's my 18 bucks. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn him into a, a pez dispenser of comfort. <laughs> anyway, that's it for me. I'm out of here. Have a great day, everybody. i uh, want to say thanks to our friends and partners uh that make this whole thing possible. Uh, not limited to our friends at Muse on the mic. Muse on the Mic is a great new podcast. Uh, It's Emily. It's Riley. It is absolutely unfiltered. And these two beautiful ladies, you know what they've done? I'll tell you what they've done. They've gone and started a podcast about the body rub industry, sex work. They're sex workers, former sex workers that manage a group of sex workers at Muse Massage Spa, 1290 Finch Avenue West. And these women will teach you everything you need. They're sexologists on top of being advocates for women in the industry. Uh, give them a follow, but make sure you download and sub their podcast. Muse on the mic. It's Belicious Bingo there this month, by the way, all the way through the end of December. So you go check it out. You can win some cool prizes. But make sure that you go visit them at Muse Massage Spa. Make sure you sub to their podcast called Muse on the Mic and their Patreon as well. Uh, and I also want to thank our friends at Gitch. Gitch3 is your promo code. Go to edsfineimports.com and order them there. Luxury branded boxer briefs pouch in the front. You can't miss with these underwear. I know I say it all the time, but I'm I'm being serious. The best pouched underwear on the planet. Made for Canadians by Canadians. You will love them. I can guarantee you, you will. All you need to do is go to Ed's Fine Imports, order four pairs of Gitch, use promo code Gitch, and then the number three, and you get a free pair. You're welcome. Yeah, three for the price of four. If it's free, it's for me. What good radio guy doesn't love free stuff? This guy sure does. So go to Ed's Fine Imports, luxury branded underwear. Canadian guy, made a Canadian brand. It's beautiful. Gitch three. And by the way, the best underwear you'll ever buy. My things, my my junk has got a permanent home. It's like a tree fort for your nutsack. Anyway, check it out. Gitch3 is your promo code, edsfineimports.com. And of course, brought to you by our friends at Cantorque. They make rugged, hardworking torque wrenches. Canada's leading industrial tool experts giving you the best in sales service. Uh, rentals, Calibration, Maintenance, and Custom Fabrication of Industrial Torque Tools. Uh, go to their brand new website. You can become a distributor as well if you're looking to distribute, looking for a job, and, and you know Torque Tools or the tool industry. Uh, they have total solutions under one roof. Tool Rentals, Calibration Services, Repairs for Custom Fabrication, Distributing Opportunities. torque offers a complete range of services and products, making us... And them, your one-stop destination for all your bolting needs, saving you time, effort, and hassle. Go to cantork.com today and enjoy their brand-new website. I can guarantee you'll love it. Guarantee you. Guarantee you can see exactly what they do. Looks like some kind of weird Star Trek stuff. Uh, And proudly Canadian. They manufacture, build, everything. They design everything in this beautiful country out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. My second favorite province. What's your first, you ask? It ain't Ontario. Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you spending some time with us. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, We'll take a few days off over the Christmas break. Uh, Back tomorrow with Lachlan. Have a wonderful day. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks to Charles Adler for joining us. Give him a follow on Twitter as well at Charles Adler. Bye (laughs) bye.